My name is Mary Caldwell. I've been a member of this church since 1989. I'm a retired chaplain from the hospital. I also worked in clinical ethics for over 30 years. I'm delighted to be invited to spend this time with you and talk about prayer. First, a story, and then I promise I won't mention my grandchildren again. Wesley is 13 now. When he was four and his sister was seven, his family was with us for Thanksgiving. They live in Holly Springs near Raleigh and are members of a Methodist church. At table, we were holding hands, and as is our custom, and I asked Anna if she would like to say the blessing. Well, she's a little bit shy, and she shook her head no. I said, that's fine. And then I asked her four-year-old brother if he would like to. He nodded yes, and we all closed our eyes. And we listened quietly as Wesley said, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. One nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. And like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. No one laughed, and we enjoyed a lovely meal. Was that a prayer? I think it was. I think when we talk about something as central and important to our faith as prayer, it's important to take a couple of minutes to tell you who I am and where I'm coming from. My husband Wayne and I live in Candler on the farm that's been in my family since 1831. My son John is the sixth generation to live on that land. I was born in a building just across the street, the Parkway Office Building, which back then was a small hospital which later became part of Mission. I was born in 1948. Don't bother, I'm 75. We have two sons, James and John. Wayne and I are both retired. He is a writer and church historian. In my 30s, I began to experience a kind of spiritual crisis. I eventually realized it was a call to ministry. But in those days, that was not realistic. There was no Gardner-Webb Divinity School nearby, and I had a husband and two small boys. Even my pastor at the time told me to forget it. Then I learned that Southeastern Seminary offered an off-campus program out at Fruitland near Hendersonville. I got in touch with Southeastern, and at that time it was led by Randall Lolly and a very fine faculty, and I learned that the spring semester, 1983, was about to begin. They were offering two classes each Monday at Fruitland. One course was Hosea, and the other was called Spiritual Formation. I knew who Hosea was, but I had never heard of spiritual formation. The deal was that one course was 50 bucks, but for 75 you could take both, so I signed up. One of the requirements for spiritual formation, taught by a professor I really liked, Dr. Bill Clemens, was a 30-minute quiet time every day. Your appointment with God, he called it. I could not imagine how to do this, but I, I agreed to it. The only way in a household with two small kids is to get up early. So I set my clock and got up. I went to my chair wrapped in a blanket. I prayed for everyone in my family and for all the sick people I could think of. And like a good Baptist raised in the days of Annie and Lottie, I prayed for the missionaries in the home and foreign fields. 
and I had 25 minutes to go. It was slow. It was not easy. But gradually, very gradually, I learned to be still and quiet and wait for God, with God. That first day was January 31st, 1983, and I continue to practice and learn. I'm really glad this series is called, Lord, Teach Us to Pray. Luke 11, he was praying in a certain place, and when he ceased, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. Jesus responded with the familiar words of what we call the Lord's Prayer. How to pray is the only thing the disciples ask Jesus to teach them. They never ask to be taught how to teach or preach or heal or hold fellowship dinners or stewardship campaigns or Lenten Vespers. They didn't ask how to organize a church or hire a pastor. They only ask to be taught to pray. Henry Nouwen, the great 20th century writer on the spiritual life, said, Prayer is the only necessary thing. Prayer is the only necessary thing. The first time I read those words, many years ago, I was both startled and baffled. Huh? No going to church? No reading scripture? No giving a tithe? No helping my neighbor? But then I pondered and prayed and gradually realized that Nowen is right. Prayer is the only necessary thing. For you see, I believe that when we pray seriously and regularly, when we pray, we gradually become new people, transformed more and more into the image and likeness of Jesus. And we come, become people who are eager to read Scripture, eager to worship with others, eager to give of ourselves and our resources. Prayer is the foundation, the heart of the Christian life. Karl Barth said, To be a Christian and pray are the same thing. Martin Luther, Faith is prayer and nothing but prayer. Abraham Heschel, Prayer defines the very essence of what it means to become a human being. And now and again, a spiritual life without prayer is like the gospel without Christ. Most folks, when asked about prayer, respond that prayer is talking with God. And indeed it is, but prayer is so much more than talking to God. Thomas Keating, Cistercian monk, writes, Prayer is a large umbrella. There are many kinds of prayer and many ways of expressing it. Fundamentally, it is a response to God's invitation to turn our minds and hearts to God. It is indeed a large umbrella. Philip and Carol Zaleski, in their book, Prayer, A History, Tell us there are many, many ways humans pray. A recovering alcoholic reciting the serenity prayer. A Catholic nun telling her beads. A child crossing himself before a meal. A quaking shaker. A meditating yogini. A Native American chewing a peyote button. A Zen monk in Satori. 
a Lubavitcher dancing with the Torah, St. Francis before receiving the stigmata, a bookie crossing his fingers before the final race, Ebenezer Scrooge pleading for just one more chance, dear God, just one more chance. And I would add a small boy reciting the Pledge of Allegiance at the Thanksgiving table. Prayer takes many forms. Furthermore, Christians do not have a monopoly on prayer. It is a universal practice. Every religion practices some form of prayer. There's evidence as well that non-believers pray. It would appear there's a great deal of interest in prayer. Amazon has more than 70,000 results for books on prayer. And Google, that fount of all knowledge, lists 1,600,000,000 entries on prayer. Jesus' disciples, well, at least one of them, and we don't know who, expressed an interest in learning to pray. For many of us, we were taught as small children. We were taught prayers such as the bedtime prayer, Now I lay me down to sleep. If I should die before I wake, that seems a bit scary when you really think about it. I know there are gentler versions of that prayer. And we may have learned a mealtime prayer, some version of thanking God for the food. If we didn't learn these childhood prayers, we may have learned by watching and listening to others who were practiced in prayer. Anyone here remember hearing Mary Eisenhower pray? But we likely didn't receive much actual instruction in prayer. In some traditions, we were taught to use written prayers, perhaps from a prayer book. Some of us remember sentence prayers in Sunday school or other church groups. You go around the room and each person adds a sentence to the prayer. And you were hoping your seat will put you at the beginning of the prayer or all the obvious things will already have been spoken. As we think about prayer, so many questions arise. What is the right way to pray? Is there even a right way? Is there a wrong way to pray? Can I get it wrong? To whom are my prayers directed? Does God really care about my neighbor's bunions? Does prayer work? My college roommate used to ask me to pray she would have a date on Saturday night. We speak pretty freely in this place about praying. I'll pray for you. Would you pray for my cousin in Poughkeepsie? We have prayer lists and lists of concern. We really do care for and pray for these concerns. Some of us keep prayer lists at home of the folks we pray for regularly. But if you think about it, most of these kinds of prayers, which are good and valid and important, are about asking God for something, either for ourselves or on behalf of someone. When I worked as a chaplain, I met many patients who believed they should not pray for themselves. They were clear that praying for others was fine, but one should never pray for oneself. I heard patients say, I know I shouldn't pray for myself. And many times I gently pointed out that Jesus prayed for himself, and it really is okay with God if we ask for what we need. I suspect some of those folks remain unconvinced. So let's see if we can think about other ways to envision prayer, moving beyond asking of God or even talking to God. 
Let's think about expanding our understanding of prayer. We can get some of those thousands of books listed on Amazon and read about prayer. I have dozens of books on prayer, and likely you have some as well. I can read those books till the cows come home and never pray. How many of you like to read cookbooks? I do. I can read them all day and never go near the kitchen and cook anything. In other words, I can read all about prayer. I can talk with my friends about prayer. I can announce what I'm praying for. I can ask you to pray for someone or something and never once actually pray. In fact, we will spend this time together for the next few weeks and talk about prayer and think about prayer. But that isn't praying. We will have prayers in these services, but they are communal and written by and prayed by someone else most often. Your praying is more likely to take place outside this space, likely at home. Jesus said, whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So you can attend dozens of sessions about prayer. You can read 50 books about prayer. You can even hear six sermons about prayer and never actually pray. Knowing about prayer is not the same thing as praying, just as knowing about a famous person is not the same as knowing that person. You can read and learn all about King Charles of England. You can watch films about him. But until you sit with him, talk with him, listen to him, spend significant time with him, you will never actually know him. You will know about him, but you will not know him. So it is with God. We can read about, talk about, think about, even write about God. But until we spend time with God, we won't actually know God. And prayer is where and how we spend time with God. Knowing God is not the same as knowing another person. Knowing God is a lifelong journey. Is God is more than we can ever know. And God is known to us in myriad ways. Augustine said, Si comprendes non est Deus. If you have understood, it is not God. Augustine was pointing to the fact that we can never fully know or understand God. Our understanding of God will always be limited and partial. As a patient once told me, even Billy Graham doesn't have all the answers. We would well, do well to remember that we see through a glass darkly. We have four more sessions together, so here's a brief preview. Next week, we will discuss praying with words, including praying the Psalms. The following week, we will think about the hard questions around intercessory prayer. Why don't we get the good things we ask for? Then we will spend a session on quiet, still prayer, prayer without words. And our final session will focus on praying with the mystics. So, for this evening... In these last few minutes, think with me about what prayer is. It isn't about looking for God or trying to find God. Prayer is about becoming 
open to and aware of God who is always and everywhere present. Rufus Jones tells a story about an island off the coast of Maine. Now, there are hundreds of islands off of that coast. Some of them are quite small, and on this particular island, a few families live there year-round, but mostly it's the summer visitors who bring the crowds. One summer, a visitor looked around and realized there was not a church on the island, and so she decided to start a Sunday school class for the children. She gathered them all together, and they were very excited. And thinking she would start with something familiar, she said, Do you know where the Atlantic Ocean is? And they looked at each other, and they looked at her with blank stares. The Atlantic Ocean was their very environment. It's where they played in the waves. It's where their parents went out in, the, in their boats to catch fish. So it's where much of their diet came from. The Atlantic Ocean was their very environment, and they couldn't name it because they had not been taught what to call it or how to interpret it. This is a parable of our lives. God is the very matrix of our being. We are always everywhere in God's presence, soaked in God's love, surrounded by the Holy Spirit, and we mostly remain clueless. Prayer is about becoming open to the presence that is already here, not about going out to find God, but about learning to open ourselves, become attentive, become more engaged in relationship with our Creator. Prayer is being present to God, communicating with God, spending time with God, even wasting time with God so that we can know God better, be enriched by God, hear God's voice, listen to God's will, and grow in our relationship with God. Amen.